0: So what is this going to cost? What's this going to cost me? It's the question we, we ask multiple times a day. Um, what's this house cost? What does this boat cost? What does this houseboat cost? <laughs> There's a houseboat at the base of the Cape May Bridge that I really would like to buy. If anyone knows the seller, I would be interested. But money is really important to us as a society, as people, so we find ourselves always asking, what's this going to cost? What's gas going to cost? Tomorrow, July, August. But thankfully, we have the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit that answers these questions for us. What is the cost? Paul says in Romans 6.3 that the cost for our sin is death, and because of that sin, we can never actually be able to live up to the Father because he is the creator of the heavens and earth. Everything is his, including our lives. Everything belongs to him. So he, our Father, he sets the price. And today we're gonna look at the last chapter of Leviticus. I know. We have been in Leviticus for so long that the Camerons had six kids. They now have seven, and one is an 11-year-old. That's how long we've been in Leviticus. But so to summarize Leviticus, this is kind of my summarization of, of Leviticus. It's God's prerogative, to give the laws by which he expects people to live. God has given detailed instructions for people's individual and corporate lives. God has a concern for the moral principles by which we relate to each other and to him. Leviticus teaches us that God is very specific in his nature. And lastly, and I think most importantly, God requires holiness. The whole of this chapter that we're going to be dealing with is with uh, chapter 27. It's taxes, tithing, and vows. So they brought the big guns in to clean up. So uh, so we're gonna read um, Leviticus twenty seven today. We're gonna start in verses one, we're gonna do one through eight. We're not gonna read the whole chapter. Leviticus twenty seven, verse one. I'm reading from the ESV. It says the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them if anyone makes a special vow to the Lord involving the valuation of persons. Let the valuation of a male from 20 years up to 60 60 years old be 50 shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. If the person is female, the valuation shall be 30 shekels. If the person is 5 years old up to 20 years old, the valuation shall be, for a male 20 years old and a female, 10 shekels. If the person is from a month old to five years old, the valuation should be for a male five shekels of silver, and a female, the valuation shall be three shekels of silver. And if the person is 60 years old or over, the valuation for a male shall be 15 shekels, and for a female, 10 shekels. If someone is too poor to pay the valuation, then he shall be made to stand before the priest, and the priest shall value him, and the priest shall value him according to, to whatever the valor can afford. I mean, I can keep going. It's super clear. It's not <laughs> not tripping over the words at all. But um, so what's going on here in these first eight verses is we have how to correctly make a vow to the Lord. And for the rest of the sermon, I'm not going to say vow to the Lord anymore. I'm going to say oath because you're going to think I'm saying vowel like A-E-I-O-N-U. But we're going to say oath. Because I was practicing with Melissa, and she's like, vowel to the Lord? I don't get it. So we're going to say oath. So how do we make an oath to the Lord? Well, it's basically, if you remember from chapter 26, it's the complete opposite. You know, last week God says, if you do this, then I will do this. And a vow is the opposite. It kind of puts us in control. So some samples of where we see that in the Bible is we see Samuel, Samuel's mother wants a child, and she says, God, if you give me a child, then I will dedicate them to service. Same thing for uh, Samson. Samson's mother says, Lord, if you give me a child, then I will dedicate him to service. Uh, Another place we see this in the book of Judges, which is a little bit more sadder of a story, we see Jephthah who says, Lord, if you let me win this battle, I will sacrifice to you the first thing that I see when I get home and his only daughter walks out the door daddy you're home and he then sacrifices her like a fool <laughs> sometimes we do sacri- we make these oaths in our in modern time if you've ever said lord if you just get me through this hangover i'll never drink again and apparently no one has said that here <laughs> I'm the only one thank you guys Okay, so we say, this. welcome back, Scotty, welcome to Revolve. Okay, so we say, look, uh, God, I'm doing everything right, I go to church every Sunday, I'm not as good as that guy, why don't I have a wife? Why don't I have this, that, and the other thing? These are the vows we make with God. God, if I do this, then you do this, right? But that's not where we're going to spend our time today. The rest of the chapter goes into detail of more of how you make an oath with not just people, but with your house and with your, um, your animals. You know, for example, God, if you just get me out of this speeding ticket, I'll give you this three-legged goat. But then in verse 12, it says, The priest shall value whether it's a good goat or a bad goat. As the priest values it, it should be. So if you're going to give God a three-legged goat, run it before the priest first. So one thing we need to remember here in verse 2, it says if a man makes a special vow. Now these oaths weren't required by God. Vows weren't required by God. But if we do like a, a DBS, if we do a Discovery Bible study of this whole chapter, what we can pull out of this is that God requires a lot. Following God is costly. Jephthah he could have read this passage and paid his 10 shekels for his daughter, which, is, which equals about four years of pay, and redeemed her and didn't, wouldn't have to keep that oath. Now, I spent a lot of time reading commentaries to be like, why is this even a thing? I don't understand the oaths and why God would even talk about this. But again, we're not going to talk about that. But the big thing we can pull away is that following God is costly. So now I'm sure you're thinking, how much does it cost? How much is an old person worth in the Old Testament? Well, you can read it, and it'll tell you how much an old person is worth, how many shekels. All right, so let's keep reading. We're going to go to verse 26. But a firstborn of the animals, which as a firstborn belongs to God. Remember that. No man may dedicate, whether ox or sheep, it is the Lord's. So these, you got to remember this, this belongs to the Lord. These firstborn animals belong to the Lord. You can't make an oath which, which is already the Lord's. God is saying, don't even consider giving me these firstborn animals because they're already mine. And this is, in this verse, we're starting to get a glimpse of what it costs to follow the Lord. Verse 30, it says, every tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees is the Lord's it is holy to the Lord if a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe he needs to add a fifth to it every tithe of herds and flocks every tenth animal of all that should pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord there it is tithing aren't you glad you showed up that's what we're talking about and that's the answer what does it cost According to Dave Ramsey, if you Google this, a tithe means 10. Abraham gave 10% of his spoils to Melchizedek, which is Genesis 14, if you're taking notes. Don't forget Malachi 3, which is every tithing sermon's favorite passage. God says, you're cursed because you aren't giving your 10% to the storehouse. And there it is, 10%. That's what it costs. Case closed, sermon done. 10 minutes, Leviticus, boom. But you say, David, we don't have to listen to the Old Testament. In which I would respond, we don't. Why? Well, this is how you all talk in my head. You know, because of Jesus, Bill told us Jesus makes the Old Testament old. (laughs) Tithing is an Old Testament thing. First off, that's not what Bill has been saying for the last six months. But we can look at what Jesus and the New Testament says about tithing. So I'm going to make a little sidebar here. I'm going to shift over. There's this whole Old Testament, New Testament thing that happens um, within current church culture. And people make an argument, which in uh, the debate world is called an argument of silence. So, for example, people could say, uh, Jesus doesn't say anything about uh, homosexuality, or Jesus doesn't address abortion, or uh, Jesus was homeless, so he didn't have to tithe, and, and all that Old Testament stuff is fulfilled in the law, and now all we have to do is be like Jesus, and love poor people, and grow beards, and be groovy. And, and I would say that statement is like saying, well, David never posts pictures of fireworks and barbecues on his Instagram. So he must not love hot dogs. But it's not, I'm just an American. I love hot dogs. I love fireworks. I don't have to post it on Instagram. You just know. Like, if you didn't love fireworks, you would be Canadian. Right, Bretton? Breton hates fireworks. Every 5th of July, he's like, ah, oh, the fireworks, freedom, ah! It's true. So Jesus didn't have to talk about these topics, Because his main audience were Jews, and Jews have been talking about Moses' law for 1,500 years already. Jesus was working under the assumption that everyone knew the rules of marriage. They knew tithing and the temple tax. So when Jesus flips the tables in the temple, he isn't protesting or undoing temple tax or tithing. He's protesting the exploitation of the poor, which is another thing that's made very clear in the, the Old Testament. So make sure we don't get this confused that we just like completely throw out the Old Testament. Uh, Bill has gone into detail. He's talked about the civil laws and the ceremonial laws uh, and the moral laws of Leviticus. So we're not going to dive into that today. But don't just completely throw out the Old Testament. And that is another reason why at Revolve we challenge you. We want everyone to be equipped to read the Bible on their own. We want them to be reading the Bible because we want them to read the whole Bible so that they can engage in these conversations. And when people start saying, we don't need to listen to the Old Testament, you can engage in that conversation on your own and not be like, oh, let me text Breton or Steve. Um, all right, so let's go back to what Jesus said about uh, the Old Testament and tithing and, and all that. But I warn you, Be careful what you ask for. So Matthew 5, verse 21, this is the New Living Transmission, uh, New Living Translation. It's a little more saucy, so that's why I went with that one. Jesus says, you have heard your ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, even if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Way to turn it up a notch, Jesus. Setting the bar kind of high. Well, Jesus doesn't say anything about uh, homosexuality. That's an Old Testament thing. And Jesus says, let's see what Jesus says about this old-fashioned marriage, Old Testament thing You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. This is verse 28. But I say anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one part of your body than the whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your strong hand, (laughs) causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And based off this passage, you can see that Jesus is real loosey-goosey with marriage. You know, he doesn't really think it's that important, as some people would like to say. So you want me to read more? The next verse is about vows or oaths. ae Verse 33. You have heard that your ancestors were told you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Don't say, by heaven... Because heaven is God's throne. It's his already. Do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. Do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even say by my head, for you can't even turn one hair white or black. Again, it's all his. You can't make an oath with it because it's not yours. Just say a simple yes I will or no I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Jesus is specifically addressing the passage in Leviticus 27. He's saying, Don't make a vow because everything's already mine. Well, I know what you're thinking. What is the cost? This was the whole thing, and you're not even talking about it. I'm going to walk out of church, the give box is over there by the door. I don't even know what to put in it. Well, Jesus goes on to address that. Luke chapter 14. Don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, There's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Verse 33. So, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. It costs everything. Jesus is saying, I can't even list the price because it costs your life. So, when we try to answer questions, and these are questions we get asked sometimes as elders, these are questions that we've heard in conversation Do I tithe the gross or net income? Do I give 10% after I pay my taxes? do I have to go to church this week if I already went to discipleship group? How long is an adequate quiet time? If I tithe 10% to a ministry or 5% to a ministry or missionary and 5% to the church, does that count? If I listen to worship music, does that count as quiet time? In which Jesus would respond, count for what? Nobody's counting. I asked for everything. Count for what? I asked for everything. We ask these types of questions, we're missing the point. Jesus is everything, and to follow him, we need to give him our whole life, not out of rules or obligation, which was laid out in Leviticus. You give him everything out of gratitude for his sacrifice on, his, on the cross and for acknowledging him as king. What does it cost? Everything. Everything. Freely we've received, freely we pass on word, deed, money, talent, everything. But what does that look like? I thought there was freedom in Christ, right? I thought the gospel was the good news. We are forgiven. We don't have the law as a strict schoolmaster like Paul says in Galatians. And what I'm speaking about seems really heavy and burdensome and far from good news. I want to share with you a quote someone shared with me this week. He said, before Jesus, I had no choice but to drink, but now I have the freedom to choose not to drink. See, the devil deceives us by thinking the world offers freedom, when in truth, we are enslaved to things like success, money, and acceptance. First John, or uh, the John, regular John, <laughs> the first one. John 15 says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11 says, these things I have spoken to you that, you may, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be filled. Jesus is saying joy is in obedience. It's not a burden. Joy is in obedience. So as we come to close, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3 written by apostle paul who was an expert in the old testament yet he was a devout follower of jesus he was also the apostle who specifically ministered to new testament gentiles such as myself so what does paul have to say about the cost philippians 3 verse 5 says i was circumcised when i was eight days old i'm a purebred citizen of israel and a member of the tribe of benjamin a real hebrew if there ever was one I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought that these things were valuable, and now I consider them worthless because what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake i have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that i could gain christ and become one with him i am no longer i no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law rather i become righteous through christ through faith in christ for god's way of making us right with himself depends on faith i want to know christ this is his chief his chief aim I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul realized that everything was worthless compared to experiencing Christ Jesus. And Christ said that obedience is the source of joy. And Christ was obedient to the cross. So don't think like the Israelites did in the Old Testament with their vows. If you do this, I'll do this, God. If you do this, let's make a deal, genie. Rather, let's look at our giving as a sense of identity. I'm yours, and everything I have is yours, Jesus. Do with it what you please. Because Jesus died on the cross and took our sins and resurrected, and and we are joined and we are baptized with him. I give you everything. What I say to Melissa on our wedding day, we celebrated 22 years of marriage on Friday. We got takeout from 5 West. Watched a movie, fought with the kids. It's great. What if I said on our wedding day, what is the bare minimum I have to do to be a good husband? Can we make like a chart and put it on the fridge? And if I take out the trash five times a week, you'll give me a prize. <laughs> wink, wink, a prize. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm just in love with her. We're in love and we love one another. And even when we have a cruddy anniversary where we have to eat mac and cheese from Five West, we still love one another. I've never asked Corey, Corey, how many soccer games do I need to go to to be a good dad? Like, what if I just come to like 10% of them? Never. Corey loves soccer, and I love to watch him play soccer, so I go to him. I've missed some. I'm late to most of them, but there's not a list. It's just I love him, and I go, and he loves it that I go because he always does this when I get there. So, what do we do? What are the next steps? How much do I tithe? (laughs) What is the cost? Sure, you could live the Christian life to the bare minimum because there's no law for tithing anymore. You could just live in your Christian liberty and give Jesus whatever's left over your leftover time, talents, and treasure. If I come to group or church, as long as there's nothing better going on, I give my tithes and offerings after we pay off the Disney vacation. Jesus is inviting you to experience what true freedom through sacrifice looks like. Don't be satisfied by just not murdering, you know? (laughs) Experience true joy. Like, I just, I didn't murder. I'm following the Ten Commandments. That's the Old Testament, But there's true joy in reconciliation. There's joy in being reconciled to our brothers and sisters. Don't be satisfied with just coming to church two or three times a month because Christ sees the church as more than that. It's the one another's. If you've ever been a part of a group that loves one another and helps one another and carries each other's burdens, you know that it's more than just Sunday morning and it's much greater of a blessing than just an hour on Sunday morning. Have you ever heard the saying, what are the two happiest days of a boat owner's life? What are they? they, it, they when you buy it, when you sell it. My boat is currently in my driveway, and I'm like, I'm going to sell it. A stupid thing. By the grace of God, Melissa May and I have been faithfully tithing for our whole 22 years of marriage. And I've never once got my taxes back and looked at the little charitable donation box and thought, I wish I still had that money and didn't support all that church and missionary stuff. I've never regretted tithing for 22 years. But how many times I've looked out on that boat and been like, what a money pit. (laughs) Every morning, like many others, I get up and I'm blurry-eyed and I get right into the Word and I spend large amounts of time in Word and prayer and I never say, that was a waste of time. But you know how many times I've watched something baloney on Netflix and been like, why did I watch that? (laughs) In discipleship, this conversation happens often. I'm talking with someone and I say, how's your quiet time going? And the majority of times the responses are like, oh man, I'm super busy. Jesus is calling us to live a life free of bondage of stuff and busyness and selfishness. He tells us that true joy is found in full surrender to him. And Paul reminds us that everything besides getting closer to Jesus is garbage. Scupola. Google it. Jesus is everything. Everything else is garbage. Look at this week. Look at your time. How are you spending your days? What are your priorities? Look at your treasure. How do you view your money? evaluate and ask, is this controlling me or have I fully surrendered it to Jesus? Can I trust God to give even more away of both my time, my treasure, and my talents? Or all three. So this week, read the Sermon on the Mount and see the true cost of being a part of this upside-down kingdom that Jesus is establishing on earth. And finally, if you're still asking... What does it cost? I challenge you to spend quiet time every day this week abiding with Jesus and just ask him. And if you're not hearing a respond, if you're not hearing the response, you're not taking enough time to listen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, the gospel, which is good news. Lord, and I thank you that we have the choice as your followers to give or not to give, Lord, and we trust and we take steps in faith to give everything to you and know that we will find true joy. Lord, I just ask that you speak to us today, really reveal to us relationships that we haven't given over to you, time, um, our money, our jobs, whatever it is, Lord, that we're holding back, that we are holding on a higher esteem and we haven't considered it garbage in comparison to you. Lord, I ask that you reveal those things to us. Lord, and I just lay I just ask that you lay it heavy on our hearts in the morning to just get up and be in your word every day to abide so that we can talk to you, we can hear from you, and um, and truly hear what you are calling us to do. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Men. Don't forget next week is our birthday party. Right after church, Scotty. What's that? Pittsburgh Avenue. And baptisms are next week. Wear a swimsuit. What any other announcements you want me to make? Thank you guys. Have a great day.